Hello everyone, here is Daniel Budai with a new podcast episode of the Ecom Show. And today I'm here with uh, Cody and he's the CEO of Cara Water. And this is a very fascinating topic, I think. Uh, we have many health-related brands in this podcast, but water is something very interesting. Everyone <laughs> consumes water. And uh, their website, Cara Water, they say it's healthy, reliable, pure water. And also it has more than, uh, it has seven rare minerals uh, that promote health, healthy bones, cleaner skin, alkaline diet. Also on Indiegogo, this brand, They've uh, raised more than 1 million euros. And I know um, Cody and his company now are working on the Japanese market as well in a crowdfunding campaign. And this brand was in the Today Show on NBC. So it's, it's a startup, but it's not as much in the early phase as many of the guests in this podcast. So I have a ton of questions uh, to Cody. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Daniel. Appreciate it. Um, looking forward to having the conversation with you. Yeah. So let's start with the early days of this company. Uh, when did you launch this company? Also, do you have a co-founder? Are you the only founder? What was your motivation to get started? Yeah. So um, there's a long history behind the company. I myself started this, had this idea when I was 19, 11 years, mm-hmm. well, 12 years ago now, uh, well, um, when I was in university studying architecture and uh, learned about this uh, beetle watching a TED talk that our professor made us watch that lives in the driest desert in the world. And the way that it survives is by um, going on top of a sand dune during this fog that comes over the desert it's like a rare occurrence. It's very unique. I've, I've been learning more about it actually now as more people talk about it. And the fog will touch the back of the shell of the beetle and the shell will start to condense water. And as the condensation happens on the shells, the shell of the beetle, it will do a handstand and then the water will come down its back yeah, and it'll yeah. water up its back. Super fascinating, right? And then I was talking to my co-founder actually the other day about it because he wanted to, we never really talked much about it anymore. It's so long ago. And he realized like this only happens in that desert because it's right next to the Atlantic Ocean. And the only reason that it actually has a desert is because the ocean is so cold. It has this weird atmosphere that made a desert from it. Although it is, it, it touches the water, it's a desert. Um, so that beetle survives by drinking the water off its own back. When I saw this when I was younger, I thought to myself, you know, you know, that's so cool. Like, why don't we drink water from the air? It's locally available. Mm-hmm. It's something that doesn't need infrastructure. It's something that is everywhere and it can be a really secure source of water. So I started working on the concept of pulling moisture out of the air, starting to understand how you could do it, what kind of materials. If a beetle can do it, that means there's something in nature out there that can do it as well. Came to find these materials that can do it. And I put my design thinking into it uh, to create what is now Carapure. So that was 11 years ago. It took me a long time. I studied architecture, worked as an architect over the nights and weekends, you know, as working in my career, built the design about four years ago, really uh, incorporated the company. Um, so yeah, came up with it about 11 years ago and incorporated four years ago. And we launched our actual crowdfunding campaign at the end of December last year, 2021, mm-hmm. 2020, not 2022. Yeah. And since then, it's been really, really good. Yeah. So 
unlike many of our guests here who are market marketing oriented and and business minded let's say you seem to be more like a product focused guy right because you studied engineering and uh you've been doing this for more than a decade now and yeah. uh, maybe back then you didn't even want a business you were more you you were more about the idea right just ha- uh creating water from air no it was both so i think the 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 mm-hmm. if you go way back the reason is uh when i was younger we had well water at my family's house mm-hmm. and uh there was like underlying health issues they had dealt with for a long time until a doctor identified that health the health issues were related to elevated bacteria levels in their body and the mm-hmm. bacteria was coming from the well water so the well water had been contaminated for a really long time and we didn't know uh so we stopped drinking it we started moving towards bottled water and um when i learned about this beetle i was like this could really solve a problem for people who have issues with their groundwater we didn't use it if it was filtered or not because we just didn't trust it anymore um and it was a powerful solution to offer a third option for drinking water you have you have tap water you have bottled water and then you have nothing else right and all of that is actually groundwater so there was no other option and i was like this could be a really good solution for people mm-hmm. who have you know that don't have any other options yeah yeah um can you explain to us uh, how this device works with simple terms Sure, can can. So I always use the example of um, just like that beetle. When you look at the beetle shell, there's mm-hmm. there's there's materials on that shell that, like a magnet, literally yeah. pull water close to its surface and hold it there. And the easiest example I use is you know a little packet in your shoebox that says "Do not eat." Mm-hmm. Those little things that keep the box dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same concept. If you think about that, there's no energy, there's no battery on there, there's no plug. That's just naturally pulling water out of the air to keep the box dry. Um, That's silica. And that is the same concept of what we do. We just pass air over a material and like a magnet, it just pulls it out of the air. There is some chemical bonding there, right? I guess. Uh, No, no chemical bonding. So it's something called van der Waal forces. Um, It's literally like a magnet. So van der Waal forces are the smallest Mm -hmm. bonds between any molecule, the weakest bond, um, but it's still something. So you have water, which is positively charged. You have this material that's negatively Mm -hmm. charged. And Mm -hmm. it's like I said, like a magnet, they just attract to one another. Yeah, that's amazing. And um, when it comes to purity of this water, and also you mentioned there are seven minerals, like uh, they are naturally in the water, you add it somehow, also, I'm just curious about, you know, what challenges you have, because let's say now you are in China, maybe the quality of the air is different or, or uh, mm. the moisture in the air is different than, I don't know, in Norway, uh, let's say. Um, what are those differences? Is it relevant or, or actually not? No. So because we are making the water, um, it's very pure to start. It's technically distilled water, so it has no minerals, has nothing in it. Mm -hmm. So we have the ability to add anything we want back to it. Um, So we selected the mineral profile based on, you know, top brands and the quality of water that we wanted. So we wanted alkaline water. So we found minerals that will increase the alkalinity. We wanted a smooth tasting water. So I looked at like, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Iceland, but Iceland has very smooth water. Because mm-hmm. it's high silica content, right? It's very high yeah, silica. Yeah, volcanic water. rocks. Right? Exactly. 
So it was a, a bit of silica content in the water. And then I wanted the taste of like Fiji water. So I looked at like Fiji water, mm. which is artisan water and looked at the minerals there. And I was mm. like, let's put all these together. And we make this really amazing water profile. I'm not a person that has like a very light palate to water, so I can't taste like differences between bottled water, but you can't taste if water is smooth or not. So that was yeah. one thing I really wanted to have incorporated. So because we make the water, we can incorporate anything we want into it, um, which is how we selected the mineral profile. And we wanted a natural version of this. We wanted a natural alkaline um, instead of, there's two forms of alkaline, artificial and natural. And natural is like a river running over rocks, picking up minerals, right? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. pretty much what we do, right? We have natural minerals that just run the water that we make over it. It picks up these minerals and it becomes mineral alkaline water. So it's very natural form of drinking water. Yeah. Probably you don't know, but I studied geology at the university. So I have some knowledge about groundwater. It's fading away, that knowledge. But yeah. Um, yeah. So. So let's talk about the crowdfunding campaign. So why did you start with this? Um, well, yeah, and, and how, how the idea came to you and uh, how did you organize the crowdfunding campaign? I mean, you know, everybody looks at crowdfunding and whoever has a company is like, I want to do that. It looks cool. Like yeah, you see yeah. all these success stories and you're yeah. like, I could do, like, I would love to be one of those success stories. You think you have a cool product. And you're like, let me just go do a crowdfunding. And it is absolutely not that easy to just go out and do a crowdfunding yeah. campaign. It's a lot of work behind it, a lot of setup, a lot of lead generation, a lot of marketing, videos, co content creation, organizing ads and spending money on those ads. And just it's a lot. But, you know, we were I've always wanted to do crowdfunding just like any other startup would. Um, and, uh, we had thought about it for a year or two, but we just weren't ready yet. We knew that like manufacturing wasn't there yet, or we mm -hmm. didn't have value offer, um, really narrowed in yet. So we worked with a, uh, agency, a lot, almost everyone who's done crowdfunding will tell you, like, you really can't successfully do crowdfunding without a marketing agency. You can try. And there's stories that have been successful. But it's very, very lower chance that you'll be, have a successful campaign. Um, so we found a marketing agency uh, that we were introduced to who specifically do crowdfunding only. And um, Can you share the name of the agency? Yeah, it was called the Crowdfunding Formula, TCF. Okay. Okay. I think I heard about that. Yeah. And I mean, they really do have a formula. It's an amazing formula. They just hit everything that they can really well. I mean, they mm -hmm. ran our PR. They ran everything. It's a full service suite. So they do mm -hmm. everything, marketing, PR, content creation. Um, they build the campaign for you. They manage it. They do everything. Um, they just pretty much ask for your approval on half on most of the things. Um, so with them, what was cool is they do something called, uh, they used to call it Jungle Proof. I think it's called pre-launch now where they'll do a small ad spend and test your campaign for you to see if there's like a market acceptance. And they'll, they have these metrics they have to hit and they do lead generation mm -hmm. with like either a small reservation price or something and you test out pricing and you see if you hit the metrics that they look for. Um, we actually didn't hit all their metrics. We only hit one metric, but we exceeded that metric so much mm -hmm. that they have to accept you. They don't take every campaign and they accepted us into their uh, um, company as a to take on a campaign a crowdfunding campaign 
Um, and then they build it. It takes about two months to build the actual page and get the content right and make sure your perks are good and that you have milestone goals and you have the right amount of leads generated for an email campaign that you contacted the right PR agencies, letting them know like, hey, we're going to launch this crowdfunding. Would you be interested in like writing an article if we achieve this amount of money in a, you know, hit this goal or something? It, mm -hmm. It's a lot of setup. It's a ton. So um, we worked with these guys super closely. I come from a design background, so marketing is pretty right, not say up my alley, but I really enjoy being part of it. So I was very active, very involved. I would do podcasts, I would do videos, we would do live Instagram sessions, live Facebook sessions, live YouTube sessions. And uh, we would just answer people's questions, be super transparent about everything that was going on. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that really led to a very successful campaign because we were super active. Um, we didn't just let it, you know, try to be successful we worked really hard to make it successful yeah sounds like that and just like every great agency and also crowdfunding campaigns it seems like they had a formula to implement did, yeah. and, and processes and i think that's crucial because I, i'm quite familiar with this you know crowdfunding space and like 95 percent of companies they don't have a plan or they don't implement it properly so it's difficult yeah yeah um so it sounds like you built a community around it right so you you are now in the podcast but you said you were in different podcasts all of the li live streams all of that was it purpose like creating a community around the product around the mission i think we didn't really see us building a community although yeah it probably did turn into that i think it mm -hmm. was uh it, it's a new technology, right? It's not like an e-bike. Like there's a ton, yeah. there's always a ton of e-bikes on crowdfunding all the, at any given moment. Yeah. Um, so you had to. Our biggest challenge was awareness, was um, educating people that mm -hmm. this technology exists and that it's real. First off, right? Because people think it's magic. You're turning air into water, right? Although there's a lot of water in the air if you just think of humidity. Yeah. Um, so we had to kind of bring it down to earth, educate people, bring the awareness, spread the awareness. And uh, that was, you know, meant accessing with different audiences and um, getting PR and emailing people with education, not just, hey, we're live. Like we had to educate them about what this is first and then let them know like it's an available product. Um, so that's really what it was for. And it was about educating people that the product was there and yeah. that it was real. Yeah. So you mentioned you are very transparent about uh, the whole campaign and that's why I'm asking you now. Uh, so you raised more than a million euros and how do you spend that money? Where do you invest, invest that money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And, um, you know, we have, a, it's a big product. It's heavy, it's stainless steel. How, how um, heavy is it? Or it's how about... It's, I wouldn't say it's heavy for mm -hmm. the product that it is, but it's about it's about 35 kg. So okay. about yeah, 35 kg, right? So that's the unit weight, which is still like one third the weight of our competitors, or maybe half the weight of our competitors. Okay. Our competitors are around like 70 to 90 kg, wow. super heavy, um, and they're plastic. So you know, for us to be metal, fully metal inside and out um you know that's a really good way and it's only going to get lower we come out with uh you know improvements in the system so um you know the main the main cost is the stainless steel it's definitely the most expensive part but it's it's a home appliance we want to 
make it fit into your kitchen, which is technically mostly going to be stainless steel. So that's why I went with that choice of that direction. Um, and then we spend a lot of money on making sure the packaging is good and safe so that the product gets to you in one piece, which we've learned our lesson that it's not as easy as it looks. It may work amazingly in the factory in the, in the ideal environment. And then you put it in a box and ship it. And then that is just another world of uh, quality control that you have to deal with. I'm learning like it's an entirely own project is just packaging. Um, so that's another big part of the spend because it's a large product. That's where a lot of the money goes towards is making sure the shipping quality is good. Um, and then on top of that, we continue to have support and uh, make sure that we have ability to answer any people's questions. It's a new product, new technology. There's an education curve still once you get the product. Not much. It's pretty easy to use. But people have questions. They want to know things. So we make sure that we're available and support. So we have some, we're growing the team slowly, but effectively. I'm a very like frugal penny pincher when it comes to what I spend money on this company. I make sure that it has value to it and we're not just splurging. A lot of people have had failed campaigns after successfully raising a lot of money because they aren't attentive in what they're spending. They get this big check of a million dollars and then they're like, just blow it. So I don't want to, I make sure that, you know, learn from other people's failures and don't repeat that same thing. So we very slowly spend the money um, only on effective things that we think are effective or useful. Uh, you are as, very tactical about it, right? You don't want to go too fast like many startups. Yeah, mm -hmm. Exactly. So we can take a lot, like our burn rate's very slow, very long very like little per month um and you know we continue to sell now that we moved off indiegogo um and make improvements we have a feedback loop that we want to incorporate we don't want to just throw everything out there into the world yet and just have issues upon issues we sold to 44 countries right still a small company we have to kind of manage that effectively mm -hmm. what's the price point of the product and how does it compare to your competitors our biggest competitor is $6,500 and um, their unit is a giant, two giant solar panels to make the same amount of water. So they're really big. It's like, think of like a standard solar panel size. It's about that size. Um, and you need outdoor space. You need a roof space or a yard to put it somewhere. So it's not really meant for an urban environment, more rural or suburban. And uh, they're $6,500 for their unit. Um, the hours is $37.99. So we're roughly half their price. We make the same amount of water and we actually are indoors. So you don't need any installation. You just plug our unit in and it'll make the water for you. Mm -hmm. um, so it's super convenient. So we've come at about half the price, much more beautiful products, and it's indoors. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a great deal when it comes to competitors. Mm. Um, do you think at do you think in the future i don't know 10 years from now 20 years from now it will be like a small blender or like a small product could it be we do have plans for future versions yeah where right. you know some things are in the works already yeah i think that's something that you know more people would buy it and uh because it's small and yeah i think that's that's for important sure. for people yeah but even yeah, this version is definitely our Roadster, right? It's not our Model Y or Model S yet. It's definitely the Roadster of the car, car yeah. models. Yeah, but this is already a great improvement. That's amazing. Um, 
So let's talk about Japan, like uh, crowdfunding in Japan. Why, why that country? Because it's so different than, uh, you know, Europe or, or US, Canada. So why are you planning crowdfunding in that country? So we, you know, on these crowdfunding platforms, they tell you like which countries purchased and like how many. Um, I think Japan was our, um, so it was the US was number one, Australia was number two. Mm-hmm. And I think Japan was number three. For our traffic sources it was top five for sure okay. um so you know you kind of go where the data is my every one of my company as co-founders and management we're all data driven we don't make emotional decisions mm-hmm. in almost anything if, it, if the data is there we'll go with it um so japan was a good indicator to tap into the apac region and the asian market um and also that fact that like the idea of alkaline was pretty much invented in japan um so there's a huge market for it Uh, so we had been speaking with certain, you know, people, we had more, the most outreach we got for like distribution or resellers was from Japan. We get like one email a day from just different distributors or stores or something who want to sell in Japan. Um, and they have good crowdfunding platforms with good visibility. It's a very high quality market. Um, it's, it, it, it seems like a good fit for tech, right? And Japan is huge on like innovation. In addition, I think the I think the biggest factor that pushed us over the edge to jump into Japan was uh, I don't know if you know the store called Beta B8, like the number mm-hmm. eight B A. Yeah. Um, they are in Japan, and um, they used to be an American base, but I think they are no longer in America, but are growing in Japan. They have like five mm-hmm. stores. They're gonna have five stores. Um, and we were at CES, and uh, they were there as well, and they came up to us like we'd love to have you in our store. So we started talking. And I was like, I know beta, we want it to be in beta in the US, but it does, there's no presence anymore in the US for beta. And Japan was something we were thinking about already. And uh, it's a touch and feel product. So having a physical presence made a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, we'll have the units in the beta stores and mm-hmm. um, we'll launch the crowdfunding. So you can go touch and feel it and see it. And then you can go to the crowdfunding and check out the actual page itself and get it from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, Japan is an island, so I guess maybe tap water or drinking water is also a problem because it's such a crowded country on an island. So maybe of course, that's yeah. a reason. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious how you use email marketing because many of our listeners, they, they know we help companies with email, SMS, all of those channels. How did you use uh, that channel? How do you use it? Maybe SMS marketing and, and all of these. Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, you know, we learned what our best channels were for marketing during the crowdfunding campaign. And our number one channel is email marketing. Okay. Um, so we focus heavily on email marketing. We always have a 30 day strategy every month at the beginning of every month. And we put that together. It, it includes awareness, education, maybe some discounts for occasions. And um, we uh, try to also put out information on like how to best use your car pure, some tips and tricks. It's stainless steel. So people are like, how do I clean this? Like sometimes the fingerprints are on there, right? So we'll give it tips and tricks on like how to clean it. So we try to engage and build a community out of our email marketing is one side of it. But then we also do engage in email marketing for um, promoting the product to new customers and new uh, people who are interested or people who are looking for a product like this. We definitely use email marketing the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Maybe it's an early question, but uh, once you know people, somebody buys the product, how do you retain them, or or how do you increase their lifetime value, the lifetime value of that customer after they bought yeah. the first product? So we have, as any water product, you have filters that you need to change once uh, mm -hmm. every so often, and you know, as a consumer product, we wanted to make this as easy as possible for people. Because we've seen other people who try this and it just looks like something that you put into a, a laboratory it doesn't it's not easy to use clunky yeah. it's not good looking um so a lot of places that have water filters or you change them every three or six months for us you change them once a year um so you can get the filters from our website we send them to you you change your filters there's a filter priming setup and it's super easy to use mm -hmm. um it's a function and uh, you can get your new filters every year. Going forward, as I mentioned earlier, since we produce the water ourselves, we can add whatever we want back into it. So we'll eventually offer different mineral profiles for maybe skin and hair or energy recovery or um, you know athletics, things like that. What you know that will help just have different mineral profiles, whatever you're interested in um, as we as we grow. Yeah, I think the mineral profile is something very interesting, and uh, I'm sure it takes time to think about it and and uh, manufacture those. But uh, yeah, I think that's a good direction. Um, there is, a, I think, Nescafe. It's a very different industry, but their coffee machine is relatively cheap, but refilling it is expensive. Maybe is it a viable business model for you, like making the, the device itself much cheaper, more affordable? And then after the, you know, the um, the filters and all of that you mentioned, making them more expensive. That's exactly what we're gonna move towards. Okay. We call it like the Nespresso model. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we're looking. We're gonna move towards a more of a subscription-based model where you can have more customized water profiles, maybe mm -hmm. carbonated flavored, different minerals. We'd like, we're gonna move in that direction because we understand that people prefer more customizability and customized um, technology is the direction that most things are moving towards anyways. Uh, so we'd like to move towards that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so in the past more than a decade, who were your mentors? Who did you learn from? I'm curious. And because you learned so many things, marketing, the product itself, and where did you learn the most? You know, that's, that's a good question. I feel like I haven't sat down and thought about that in a long time. I used to always think about that and who inspired me and who helped me and all of those things that are really a big part of everyone's journey to a successful mm -hmm. company. Um, if, I had, if I were to give like a, a simple answer, I think, you know, I'm, I always look at people who have done it before me. And I, I think about like what they're doing and I, I say, well, let me do exactly what they're doing. When I was mm -hmm. an architect, when I was a freshman in my first year, I looked at what the seniors were doing. I was like, if this is what I'm going to be doing as a senior, well, and I start trying it now. Right. And if it was what they did, that means they learned a lot so I can learn from what they did already. So I look at other people who have been in the business or people. I read a lot of books like Peter Thiel and, um, you know, Bus things, business think, books mostly or yeah. not. Mm -hmm. Mainly business. I don't. I don't. Not a big non. Uh, not a big fiction fan. So yeah, I read a lot of non-fiction entrepreneur books, uh, learning books. You know things like that. 
you know, like reading like zero to one or mm -hmm. the four. I forget, I forget mm -hmm. if it's called the four. It's like Facebook, the, fa the Facebook, Google. Um, I can't remember the other two companies, but they just talk about like these companies and you learn about like their failures, their successes, how they mm -hmm. got through it. So, you know, I always look at books as like you're having a conversation with the person who wrote it. So I like to read those books and understand mm -hmm. what I can be doing to work towards these successful companies achieved and how they did it. And that's how I pretty much base it off of. I wouldn't say I had like one specific mentor. We've done lots of accelerators. We've done lots of uh, startup programs. So we were in the clean tech open, which is the largest clean tech accelerator, I think in the world um, in 2019. And then we did the Columbia urban works mm -hmm. um, startup uh, program. We did future works, hardware accelerator, um, we've been in quite a few, but you know, you know, you want to graduate at some point. You don't want to stick to accelerators and programs the whole time. So we, you know, focus now on the business after learning a lot from mm -hmm. those guys. Yeah, yeah. You try to learn from every direction. Yeah, and I think I think that's the best approach. My last question to you: So, what would be your number one advice to other uh, Kickstarters or people on Indiegogo who wants to launch uh, hardware tech startup? and uh, they don't know how to get started because i think the entry barrier is higher than with let's say a fashion brand or skincare brand in e-commerce because you cannot you know even white label those but this is something very um, different yeah i think my best advice would be you have to know the single most important value offer that you're mm -hmm. offering people we have a technology that can do so many things. It can solve so many problems. It's, it's drinking water, right? Um, but we found for us that alkaline water was the number one value offering that people really wanted. Mm -hmm. I would never have guessed that in my ever if we didn't go out and ask people. Mm -hmm. Like we did lead generation and we had questions like, what are you interested in this? These are what we have offers of part of like this whole product can offer you these many things what's the most important thing to you and 40 percent of the people said that they wanted the alkaline water it wasn't okay. about the air to water it wasn't about the water security sure those things were like secondary or third or whatever but the alkaline water was the number one thing i never would have guessed that if i didn't ask people right that's the whole thing yeah. you have to know your customer and we i gave a talk at a columbia mba class and this is what i spoke about the entire time like know your customer follow the data don't just go off of what you think, because what you think is most likely going to be wrong. You might be right, but until you know, I'd assume you're wrong, right? So until you know exactly what your number one value is, you know, go find it first. And then you should start a kick for a crowdfunding campaign. Otherwise, you know, you're going to say so many different things and the people are going to be like, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah, I think that's great, uh, great advice. And how you said it, like, until you don't know you are right, assume you are wrong. You said something like this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's a great recommendation. Um, yeah. Thanks, Cody, for uh, joining us today. And thanks, everyone who uh, listened to the podcast or watched the live stream. So what's the website where they, the listeners, where they can find your products? And also, where is your crowdfunding campaign now? Where can they, can they yeah, find sure. it? So you can find our website at www.carawater.com, K-A-R-A, water.com. Or you can check out the Indiegogo campaign, um, which is the platform we use, is Indiegogo. And if you type in 
Indiegogo Car Pure anywhere, you'll find it. Amazing. We will put the links into the description as well so everyone can find these. And uh, make sure that uh, you follow us because every week we come out with a new episode with uh, e-commerce and uh, retail business founders and marketers. And finally, in the description, I will put a link to a 50-point uh, email marketing checklist as well. It's free to download. We use it with our clients as well. And uh, we try to help e-commerce businesses grow by doing this. So thanks to everyone again and uh, stay tuned.